0: for purchasing us with your blood. Lord, we again stand in awe when we think of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And when we when we even think of the the verse that says that for the joy that was set before you you endured the cross. You poured out your blood for the joy set before you which was us. And Lord, we can't we can't begin to wrap our minds around that because we know we know us. But Lord, your love is amazing, and we are so thankful for it. Lord, we thank you for gathering us here tonight. What a blessing it is to to gather together in your name, to to open your word together, and to to seek what you would have for us. So, Lord, we ask your blessing upon this time and uh, join us here as we are here in your name to bring you glory, to seek your face. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would all greet one another and uh, get your Bibles out. Okay, if you would open your Bibles up with me to Genesis chapter 27, I don't know if you've ever had the experience probably along the line somewhere where you've been watching a movie and you got taken away from the movie for some reason and then you come back a little while later and it seems like, man, you've you've missed like most everything that happened, and you're, you're kind of wondering how did we get here? How did we get to this place? You're almost, like, you're reading a book, and somebody takes you know the middle eighteen chapters out of the book, and you're like, you know, how did we get to this point? And I kind of feel that way when I when I'm reading chapter twenty-seven of Genesis, because remember Isaac, this. This son of promise, this this promised one, that was the 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 one that was going to be the, the blessings were going to flow through Abraham through this boy Isaac and and then he's born and and the the bride of Isaac Rebecca is chosen and we talked about the beautiful typology with that and then as we talked last week she was she couldn't have children so what did Isaac do he prayed and he patiently prayed for 20 years and and then when when the the children were in her womb she was what's going on so she prayed and man what a beautiful family picture we see and man everything's going great and then we get to chapter 27 and we're going to read the story Tonight, and we're all familiar with it, if we've had, had any time walking with the Lord, even from Sunday school, the story of Jacob and Esau. And we're like, wow, what happened to this family? What happened to the 18 chapters in the middle? Where, how did we get from this point to this point? Well, one point to make as we begin this is, just as with any of us in our walk, it's not how we start, it's how we finish. It's, it's a matter of continuing through. You know, we have those those moments when we when we come to the Lord and we or we come back to the Lord. Man, we're on fire and things are going so great. But it's a continual process. It's the same thing with marriages. Same thing with any relationship. The honeymoon is over, but we need to continue on through and we need to continue loving one another. And through all the, all the way through, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. We see that in this story tonight. Well, we do need to pick up a couple of verses uh, back in chapter 26 where we left off. We'll start at verse 34 because again, if you remember, we talked Isaac and Rebekah, the story that took place with them. Jacob and Esau aren't a part of that story. They must have been back home. Well, all of a sudden here we are back home talking about Esau, verse 34 it says when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basemath the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and to Rebekah. Esau, the oldest son, the one who came out first, he's 40 years old at this point, and he marries two Hittite women, women from Canaan, women from around there. And if you'll remember, when Abraham was talking about the the promised line that was going to be coming through don't go get a son for my son, Isaac, from amongst the women here. Go back to our people and get a woman from there. And that story had to be told, that beautiful love story about how it all came together for Rebecca and everything. They had to tell their children that. But it's as though Isaac, or I'm sorry, Esau, ignores all of that, goes out on his own, marries two women from within the area, and it says that it brought grief to Isaac and Rebecca. Literally, it says it brought a bitterness to their spirit to know that their son would do this. And it's important that we, as parents, pass along our heritage and what God is doing in our lives to our children. It needs to be a big deal. Parents, if you have young kids, share with them what God has done in your marriage and the miracles that are going on there. Pass that along to them. Share it with them. Teach them not to settle for Whatever the first thing that comes along, that they, that, they, that they are very specific. God has one just for them. Don't just settle. I, Esau just settled. He settled for two women that were around the area. We see something very different in Jacob because he waits until, again, God, he's, we're going to find out at the end, he, is, he goes out to that area that his parents finally send him out outside to find a wife. Uh, It says in chapter 27, as we start that, Now it came about when Isaac was old, and his eyes were too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, and he said to him, Here I am. Isaac said, Behold, now I am old, and do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. It says that Isaac is old. Now, there is some mathematical things that you can do working backwards from some of the verses that that follow in Genesis to find out, actually, Isaac is 137 years old when this is taking place. I was going to go through all the verses with you, but you really don't care. He's 137 right here. Now, if we do, we're going to find out. He says, I'm old. I don't know when I'm going to die. He feels like he's about ready to die. And if you'll remember, his brother Ishmael died when he was 137. So maybe he was figuring, okay, that's, that's about the life expectancy for us sons of Abraham. But he's going to live for another 43 years after this. But... One of the things that I'm sure that you probably had when you were growing up or the stories and maybe even still till now, when you think of the story of Jacob and Esau that we're going to go through now, when Jacob puts on the goat hair skin and everything that we're going to cover here, what's your picture of Jacob? Teenager, right? Maybe 20? How old would he be if Isaac is 137? 77 years old. So we have a 77-year-old twins that are the part of this story. Kind of changes things a little bit when you're thinking about this now, right? 77 years old, he's still a bachelor, still living at home. Still, still renting out an apartment in the basement or something. But the point I want to make as we first start looking at this, remember the promise that was made. The, the the what God said. God said the older shall serve the younger. Jacob is the son of promise. Yet here we see Isaac in his old age, 137, wanting to bless his older son Esau. He wants to pass the blessing on to him. Jake, Isaac knew the promise. He also knew his son Esau. We just read the fact that the, the decisions that he were making were ungodly decisions and it was causing him and his wife a ton of grief, yet he still wanted to bless Esau, the oldest son. Now if you'll remember back when we were going through the story of Abraham with Isaac's brother Ishmael, Jack in chapter 17, verses 18 and 19, God said that I am going to bless your son Isaac, who was yet to be born, and Abraham said but almost arguing with God, not really, but, but reverently saying, but what about Ishmael? What about Ishmael? And God said, in communion with him in talking with him, I will bless Ishmael, I will take care of him, you got to trust me with that. But Isaac is the son of promise. And Abraham trusted God. He obeyed God and moved forward. Here is Isaac, the beneficiary of that transaction, totally disregarding that. Saying, all right, I know that the blessing is supposed to come through my son Jacob, but Esau is my favorite. Esau is the oldest, and I want the blessing to go through him. We need to understand always again, we can't blame Isaac for his human side of things with this, because the human side of this was he's the oldest. He's the hunter. He's the one out, you know, he's the one out, the adventure guy, you know, the one that you always want to root for, you know, the guy that's, you know, got all the adventure shows on TV, you know, ah, man's man. That's Esau. And his, his heart is that. But remember, God doesn't look at what man looks at. God looks at the heart. And if we look, turn with me real quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We can think of certain things as, man, it just makes total sense for us in our flesh, in our, in our human nature. But that's not the way God operates. 1 Corinthians 1, chapter, or verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. Why? Well, verse 29 tells us. So that no man may boast before the Lord. It says down in verse 31, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. God knows us. God knows our propensity to idolize and raise up people because of their stature or because of things that they do. And he knows the pride that gets inside of man. That's why God does things oftentimes very different than we would do them. God knows. God knows us. God's ways are not our ways. They're so much higher than ours. And yet again, we see here that Isaac is basing it on his own feelings. Now, this is a very big deal to pass along this blessing to your kids, to your oldest son, or to your son. This was a very big deal in that culture back then. And you'll notice that he's doing this in secret. Me and you, Esau, let's keep this between you and me. Why? Because Rachel knew the promise, God had given Rachel the promise. Jacob knew the promise. Everybody knew what was supposed to go on. Esau did as well. If you'll remember, he sold his birthright to Jacob. They all knew this, but Isaac is saying, all right, between you and me, let's pull this thing off. Go get me some food so I can bless you. Well, verse five, it says, Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went out to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Now go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. First of all, Rebecca overhears it. She's eavesdropping. She's she's sticking around, you know, paying attention. She shouldn't have had to do that. That should have been a conversation that was already taking place. But she's listening in to hear what's going on, and she hears the plan. So she goes and gets Jacob and says, listen, we got to thwart this plan. We have to stop this while this is going. Now, as we talked about last week, Isaac a few chapters ago in the beautiful picture of the, the choice of Rebecca for his bride and, and, and the, their marriage, that, what a beautiful type that he is of Christ. And that, but we talked about very shortly after how that whole typology breaks down and, and the sinfulness of his, and we see that certainly as we continue here. But if you'll remember, Rebecca was a type of what? What was she a picture of? us as the church, right, as believers, as Christians. And I'd love to say the typology breaks down here as well, but unfortunately it doesn't, does it? Instead of completely trusting in God and God's promises and what God said, she jumps in and says, we got to fix this. We got to fix this because the train is about to get derailed and God's plans are about to get thrown upside down. So we need to jump in and fix it. So much like us. Instead of praying and surrendering to God's will and trusting all of this, she became afraid of the unknown so much like us. Started probably running through all the scenarios in her mind. What if this happens? Oh man, if this, oh, oh wow, oh boy. And before you know it, all this stuff turning over and over and over in her head, all of the fears, all of the thoughts, all of the wonderings, I gotta act fast, I gotta fix this. That's why so often one of the verses that I I say over and over in my mind as a prayer to the Lord is, Lord, I take every thought captive and I surrender it to you. If she would have done that, taken the thoughts captive and surrendered it to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, if this is of you, you, you do that. Where is the prayer? Where is the seeking the Lord? As you'll notice, that doesn't happen anywhere in chapter 27. No prayer, no seeking the Lord. It's all acting out on their own. She acts as though Isaac blessing Esau would have overruled God's plans would have totally derailed the situation. And, but how often, before we quickly judge her, how often do we do that? How often are we so concerned about things that happen around us, overruling and throwing God's plans all out of kilter? We put way too much confidence in man's words compared to God's words. And as a little aside, if you are here today and you have been affected by man's words in the past. And I'm talking, I know there are people that are deeply hurt by man's words. People telling you, you're not worth anything. You'll never amount to anything. God says something very different. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, and they're not plans to destroy you. They're not plans to harm you. They're plans to bless you. There's There's hope for you. You need to ignore the words of man that you've been told and you listen to God's words for you. He has a plan for you. He has the plans. And their are plans to bless you. Well, back to our story here again. Looking at the situation that is right in front of her, feeling that she needs to act to help God out because things are about ready to go haywire. I have the opportunity in a few weeks to go to Israel, and one of the places that I'm going to be, have the, the, the privilege to teach at amongst the, to the group is En Gedi, which is where, if you, you remember the story of David, when he's running from King Saul, and he's hiding in the back of a cave, hiding from Saul, and Saul comes into the cave and to relieve himself, to take a little break, get away out of the sun, if you would, and David and his men are in the back of this cave, and the men said to him, hey, there's your chance. You're supposed to be king. There's the king. You go up and you kill him right now. You can be king. David had the opportunity to take matters into his own hands. Yet he didn't. He trusted the Lord. He said, who am I to do that? He did sneak up and cut a piece of a a tassel off of King Saul's robe, and he even felt guilty about doing that. By the way, if you've ever wondered, how in the world could that possibly take place? Because I did. You have a bunch of guys in the back of a cave talking, and Saul's not going to hear him? David's going to sneak up behind him, and he's not going to hear him? How could that possibly happen? It's so cool. that If you ever get a chance, you've got to go to Israel. You've got to see these places because it all makes sense after you're there. If you go to En Gedi, the cave has a waterfall in the back of it. There's, it's so noisy in there, you can't hear anything. So it easy, they probably had to yell to hear each other. It's so loud. So, anyway, David trusted in the Lord. He believed that God's plan for him. He didn't need to speed it along. He didn't need to help it along as Rebecca is doing here. Now, the reason I'm camped out here is, again, we've talked about this over and we've seen this over and over through the life of Abraham and now Isaac and and through this whole thing. We can get so caught up in the fact that we we need to help things along with God. Romans 8.28. When you think of Romans 8.28, what do you think? All things work together for good, right? That's what most people, all things work together for good. The problem is that's what we focus on most of the time. All things work together for good. While that is part of what it says, if we don't include the first part, that's where we get derailed. All things work together for good. The things aren't working, so i got to change the things. Romans 8.28 starts out, and we know. And we know. So that's, that's the first point that Rebecca failed on. She didn't know. She might have said it. She might have overall, as an overarching thing, believed it, but it became just like it can be with us. All things work together for good. That can become just a cliche, just like an apple a day keeps the doctor away. But do we really believe that? Well, in theory we do. But if we truly believe that, we need eat an apple every day. How many people eat an apple every day? We don't. Well, maybe one. But the point is, and we know. And we know. Do we know it? Do we live it? Rebecca received the promise directly from God. She knew Jacob was supposed to be the the son that was gonna receive the blessing. But she didn't live like she knew it. And the second part of it is, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. It's not us that causes it. God causes it. And we know God causes all things to work together for good. We look at a situation like this, and again, we can't hardly blame her. This is about to happen. It's, he, he's sending Esau out. But when we face these impossible situations, what, wouldn't it have been so much better if Rebecca would have grabbed Jacob and said, hey, let's get some popcorn and see how God works this whole thing out? Let's just sit back and watch this. This has got to be good. Because... You know, you know, and I know, and your dad knows that this is supposed to go to you, but he's sending Esau out. So, you know, how's God going to do this? Now, God does work all things together for good, including our mistakes, including the times when we step in it like Rebecca and Jacob do. And we're going to see how God works it together for good. But wouldn't it be so much easier? <laughs> if we just trusted him along the way and watched him work miraculously instead of having to go through the pain and the discomfort and the problems, Well, back to our story. Verse 10, it says, Jacob answered his mother, Rebecca, behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and then I will be a deceiver in his sight and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. This ain't gonna work, mom. And that word "their deceiver, is actually a mocker. He was worried that if his dad found him, he would be looked at as being a mocker, that he was making fun of the fact that his dad couldn't see. And he was concerned about that. But verse 13 says, But his mother said, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. One of the things that's often overlooked here is Rebecca must have been a great cook she made goat meat taste like venison okay anyway. all right one of the things again as and this is as i asked you last week to have an open mind as we go through this to the story that you've heard so many times and the idea that you have in your mind about isaac about jacob about rebecca in this story well A lot of the people in the commentaries, many of them do point to they were all selfish. They were all in it for their own. They were all trying to get their own selfish needs taken care of. When I read this, I really struggle to find out how Rebecca benefits from any of what she's doing here. I really believe as we go through this and we look at this that their intention was good. They wanted to honor God with this. They messed it up bad. But their, their desire was to honor God. And I see that in the fact that they're trying to make the ends justify the means, which is always a bad idea. Situational ethics is what some people call it, where, okay, yes, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to lie, but there are certain instances where we need to lie. Where we have to lie. And we've talked about this earlier on in the study. If you were a part of this, is it ever okay to lie? And there are times when you can look and you could say, Well, certainly, you know, there's a story in Exodus when the Pharaoh told the the Jewish handmaids, the, the the midwives, to kill all of the boys, all of the babies that are born, all baby boys that are born. And they they said, Well, by the time we get there, the babies are already born. These women, they're too, they're too fertile. They, can't, they pop them right. I can't, we can't get there fast enough are lying, but they were doing it to protect the lives of the, the the children. We we Rahab, another example, you know that that lied to the the people of Jericho to protect the spies. Corrie Ten Boom, we talked about that, you know, in World War II when she they hid Jews in their home and lied about it to the people when they came to their home. Are there ever instances where it's okay to lie? That's a very slippery slope, because again. When it comes to our own situations, we can justify a whole lot of things by pointing to the ends and say, okay, the ends justify the means. And we can get on a very slippery slope with that. And here is an example of that. It's very rare, and I doubt any of us will ever be faced with a situation where we could justify it honestly before the Lord. I, I, would, I would challenge any of you to come up to me after the service and say, aha, for me, this was the one. Because, again, there, there's very few instances recorded. And the one we're talking about tonight is not one. It shows a lack of faith most of the time. Well, it says, after she made, she was told him to go do that, then she said, Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her youngest son, verse 16. And she put the skins of young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, She also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. So again, there's always additional problems now that come along with lying. Let's see how this kind of plays out as it goes. Verse 18, Jacob now goes in. Then he came to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. I mean, I am Esau, (laughs) your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please, sit and eat my game that you that you may bless me. Now, first off, he's right out of the chute. He's lying, but he has to because he's already, he's taken this whole thing, he's put the garments on, he's got to go through with this lie. Verse 20, Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have so quickly, have you so quickly, my son? And he says, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Yikes, now he's pulling God into the whole thing. Now, again, as I look at this, though, this is so easily the problem that can happen when we start down the road of lying, being dishonest, twisting the truth a little bit. It's not really lying. Am I really lying? Because he says, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Mom made this. God caused mom to make this. I mean, I can twist this however I want it, you know, so I'm not really lying. The whole intent behind it is to deceive his father. And it's lying. And it gets worse. It, gets, it just keeps going. Once you tell a lie, the problem is you have to continue telling a lie. You have to continue down that road. And the other problem that follows that is it becomes easier to do. And we see that it just seems to like flow right now. It just seems to come out of him. Remember at the beginning, he was like, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Now he's fully in with it. Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. Again, now, just just coming right out, I am. So he said, "'Bring it to me, and I will eat my son's game, "'that I may bless you.' "'And he brought it to him, and he ate. "'He also brought him wine, and he drank. "'Then his father Isaac said to him, "'Please come close and kiss me, my son.' "'So he came close and kissed him, "'and when he smelled the smell of his garments, "'he blessed him and said, "'See the smell of my son. "'It is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. "'Now may God give you the dew of heaven "'and the fatness of the earth "'and an abundance of grain and new wine.' May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and your, may your mother's sons bow down to you. A direct, God said you're the oldest will serve the youngest. And listen to what Isaac is saying. He thinks, he's telling Esau, the oldest son, your son, your, your younger brother will serve you directly opposite opposite to what God said. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. Remember the blessing that God gave to Abraham, his grandfather. Now it came about, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Can you imagine? I mean, I think through these things sometimes. Can you imagine if... I, Jacob's walking out with his clothes, you know, and got all the, hey, what are you doing? Ah, oh, nothing. But didn't happen. <laughs> they just missed each other. Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said, Father, let, let my father arise and eat his son's game that you may bless me. Isaac, his father, said, Who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he that hunted game and brought it to me, so that I ate all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. Now, it's interesting, when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, it says, going through the hall of faith, chapter chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 20, it says, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. I I read that, I really struggle with that because I'm thinking, by faith, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And I see, what I could point to, the only thing I could say is, here it is by faith. Isaac realizes, man, it does it. God's word is true. God's word is, no matter how much I tried to turn it on its ear, God's word is true. And he, he didn't say, you know what, I can take it back. He realized. And he says, Yes, he shall be blessed. And I like that as well because what's recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 is the end result and how God sees the whole thing. Yes, this is a, a tarnished story, it's not a, it's not a pleasant one. And how many of you can say, Amen to that? My story is a tarnished one, it's not a pleasant one. But you know what? Again, God sees you as righteous. God sees you as holy because you have placed your faith in his son, Jesus. Well, goes on, verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even even me also, O oh my father. He's crying, he's weeping, he's sobbing, but the tears do not equal repentance it's not like man i've blown it dad i know i've been a bad kid but i turned from that and i want to follow your god no he's he's upset because he lost the financial blessing then it tells us in hebrews 12 17 it had nothing to do with repentance verse 35 and he said your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing then he said is he not rightly named jacob that he has supplanted me these two times he took away my birthright that's not true is it he didn't take away his birthright Esau sold him his birthright. He hated his birthright. He sold it to him for a pot of soup. So he didn't take it away. And behold, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I have made him your master. Now, did Isaac make Jacob Esau's master? God made Isaac Jacob's master, or Jacob, Esau's master. Behold, I have made him your master and all his relatives. I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. So Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, behold, Away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. And it's true, his, his descendants were desert dwellers. By your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become reckless that you will break his yoke from your neck. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now, just a quick look at the, the blessing, so to speak, that's given to Esau. Verse 40, it says, and your brother you shall serve, but it shall come about when you become reckless that you will break this yoke from your neck. Now, this is a prophetic statement. The Descendants of Esau would be slaves to the descendants of Jacob. The Edomites would be slaves to the Israelites for many years, but on several occasions they would break away from that bondage of slavery. Prophetically, this is held up. But I see this also personally. Now, I'm not going to stand on this doctrinally, but I do see this, and I want you to follow me for a second, because it says here that you shall serve your brother, Was there ever a time when Esau served Jacob? Not literally. But we see in verse 41 that he bore a grudge against Jacob. And there is the yoke of bitterness, the yoke of anger, the yoke of resentment that Esau carried around because of Jacob for many years. We don't know how long, but we know that it was eventually broken because once esau finally met up with jacob again 20 years after this incident there was no more anger there was no more bitterness somewhere along that line the yoke was broken and i say that because i know many of us carry around that burden many of us carry a yoke around we're bitter at something or someone that has that has hurt us in the past and we carry that around And honestly, if you do, you are a slave to that person. They don't even know it, for the most part, probably. I have to tell you, there was a going back, and this goes way back for me, but a former employer of mine, I felt I got passed over for a promotion that I deserved, and I carried bitterness around for years for that. And this guy, I had left the company, this guy had long since forgotten about me, Didn't bother him a bit. But I carried around bitterness and resentment, and it actually came out in a men's Bible study one night. And a brother called me out on it. And I repented of it there, and you know what? That yoke was gone. It was taken away from me when I repented of it and realized what I was carrying around. I've heard it said that when you are bitter towards someone else, when you are angry towards someone else, when you are holding on to resentment towards someone else, it's like drinking poison expecting them to die. And so often, but that's the case. We are the ones that are, that are burdened down with this. So if that's you, and you are carrying around the, the yoke of bitterness, listen to what Jesus said. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What do we learn from Jesus? We learn that when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he was nailed to the cross, what did he say? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. We learn from him. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, and you will. He said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Put it down, break the yoke. Don't carry it around anymore. Well, as so we continue here, verse 42. Now when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consulting himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise and flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and he forgets what you did to him. What you did to him. Thanks, Mom. This was your idea. Then I will send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of both of you in one day? She's concerned that, obviously, Esau is going to kill Jacob for what's, what's transpired, what he did. And then God is going to strike Esau dead because of it, or someone will take out vengeance on Esau. She'll lose both of her sons. She's concerned about that, so she says, go away. She says, go to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days. It's going to be 20 years. 20 years. And you know what? She's never going to see him again. She's never going to see her son again. She's going to die before Jacob comes back. The consequences of this decision that she made. Was the was was this sin, I believe it was. Was the sin forgiven? I absolutely believe it was, but there's consequences. There's consequences for the decisions we make. And we don't always think through all of the consequences and what could happen and everything. She had to know, if she really thought through this whole thing, if we do this, Esau's going to be mad. And he's a hothead. He's probably going to want to kill Jacob if we said, and didn't think through it all. And we can get caught up in that. We can get caught up and not think through the whole process. That is why, guys, it is so important We don't act quickly. We don't do knee-jerk reactions. We go to the Lord. We pray. We seek him. We we look at this, and again, how did we get here? How did we get to this situation with this family? It started out so good. Well, one of the things I alluded to, again, as we've gone through this entire chapter, not once did they seek the Lord together. Not once did they go to the Lord in prayer. That's the key for any family relationship. There's, there's no, you've heard it probably said, there's no I in team. <laughs> you need to pray together. You need to seek the Lord together as a family. You need to understand the roles within a family. Isaac, absolutely out of line, but Rebecca should have gone to Isaac and said, honey, you can't do this. I overheard. <laughs> I overheard you talking to East- You can't do this. You know God's word. You know what he said. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord together. But they hadn't fallen so far away from that. Well, we need to... Oh man. See, I don't, I don't say this out loud in my office, so I don't know, I have any idea how long this is going to take. We're at that point where it's too... I don't have enough time to go into chapter 28. But I, it's way too early to let you out yet. Because the kids over there, they're, they're, you know, high school and everything... You lead us in another couple of worship songs, and then we'll then we'll fellowship together. I just, I t- chapter twenty eight is too important to rush through, so let's all let's all let's pray, and then we'll we'll sing another worship song together, and then take your time on your way to your kids. Say hi to somebody. Get to know somebody else. So let's pray. Oh Lord, we we are amazed by you and the power of your word. And Lord, as as we look at this story that we've probably all heard. I don't know, 25, 30 times in our life or more. Lord, I I know that today as I was studying through this and praying through this, you spoke to me pretty directly on a few things, things that I'd never thought of before. And Lord, I just pray that that's always the case, that when we go into your word, your spirit speaks to us fresh and new each time. And Lord, that we can pull things out of your word that are applicable and important to our lives every day. It's there. If we're willing to hear from you and listen for your spirit to speak to us, Lord, it's there. And Lord, my prayer is that if there is anyone who has been hurt by someone else's words in the past, Lord, that they would be able to ignore those words, forget those words, and focus on what you have said about them, that you love them, that you have a plan for them. Lord, if if there's anyone carrying around bitterness, harboring bitterness towards someone else, Lord, that they would be able to break that yoke of bitterness. Put it down and, and put pick up your yoke. Follow your example to learn from you. Lord, if there are families who have drifted apart as far as praying together and seeking your face together, Lord, that this would be a catalyst to bring them back together to do that. Lord, that we would all finish strong. That there wouldn't be anyone one among us who who is disqualified towards the end of the race because we started great, but didn't finish well. Lord, encourage us in this. Strengthen us as we seek your face in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and worship one more time together.